I just want to say today that the word of the Lord is so beautiful, so precious, so filling and infilling. And sometimes it blows my mind when I think of how rich and relevant the word of God is. You know, on Wednesday, we were in the book of Isaiah. And I just want to throw it out there to those of you who don't show up on Wednesday night and say to you, come. Because the one before may be boring, but they're not always boring. Just saying. You might just miss out on something if you predict that it's going to be boring. Because you have no idea when the Holy Spirit is going to show up. Amen? Amen? And I think sometimes God challenges our faithfulness because we put, we put kind of limits on God's ability to do things, great things. And you might just miss out. You know they say when Jesus comes back, some will be doing what they normally do. Two will be in the field doing what they do in the field. But one will be taken up and the other left. Two will be in a bed. I assume they're married. And one will be taken up and the other one left. Brother James, I'm sorry. I hope it's me. <laughs> Two will be at the wheel, doing what they do at the wheel. They're probably chatting and gossiping. And before you know it, one is gone, and the other one is still spinning the wheel. What I'm trying to say is make time for God. Be in that opportune moment so that if he does show up, whenever he shows up, you're in the right place. So I'm so glad you're here this morning showing up so you can be in the presence of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's rich. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts asunder and it also heals. And we thank you, God, for the richness of your word to guide us into all truth. We pray your Holy Spirit will present yourself today as the enlightener as the, the, the author of everything that is said, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Last week, we started talking about connectivity, that we're all connected. And do you know we're all connected? It doesn't matter where we're from, when we were born, how we look on the external, how we look on the internal, we are all connected. You know why? Because we all came from one source. Do you believe that? God is the creator and the maker of all things according to the word of God. Which means that if I am a created being and you're a created being, we all come from the same source. You know, in, 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 in uh, human relationships, quite often we hear people who come from the same mother espouse that kinship that you sometimes don't find 
when you have mixed fathers in the picture. You know, you could be your brother's brother, your sister's sister, and you're all connected to one dad. Can I just use you, Brother Robert, as a reference? No pun intended. So I am related to you, Brother Robert, right? Sister Megan is related to you. Sister Doris is related to you. Brother Frederick is related to you. And the only parent you have in common is your daddy that you don't know where he is. He's gone somewhere to England or New York, right? But then, Sister Megan is my mother. Right, Sister Megan? And Sister Ruth is your daughter. Sister Constance is your daughter. Sister Viola is your daughter. Brother Robert is your son. And we're all brothers and sisters from Sister Megan. Which set do you think is the closest? The, the siblings that have one father or the siblings that have one mother? Who's the closest? Huh? I hear the mother. Why the mother? Oh, she's around. What else? Same household, we assume. Uh-huh. And what else? She gave birth. She carried you all for nine months. That is significant, isn't it? Because it's in the womb we all created. God says, the, the word of God says that he created us in our mother's womb. And he knew us even before we were born. There is something peculiar about that kind of relationship, isn't there? Because the one connecting point we have is that we all came through the same womb. That's powerful. We come from the same source. We come from the same fig tree. We come from the same vine. We come from that root that is in our mother. Do you know a woman can get pregnant the same night with two, for two different men? She might think she's having twins. But it depends on what she did before. I'm just saying that to say <laughs> that men can put their seed anywhere they want to and produce children. But a woman has to go through the process of that child taking root inside of her and growing in her womb in order to become a human being. It is kind of interesting in, in the times that we're living because so many people are trying to define when life begins in the womb. And it's a touchy issue, isn't it? But here's the thing. The word of God tells us that our human form begins there in the womb. We call it different things, you know, the zygote and the this and the, and the embryo and the fetus. And we give it gradients of becoming. But at the end of the day, if it stays in the womb long enough, it'll become a human form. It'll become a person. And I believe that God has a miraculous relationship with us as well. Because even though God may not have a womb, the whole earth is a womb. 
And the first story of creation tells us that before God made Adam, he bent down and he took some soil from the earth and he shaped it into man. And somehow the earth becomes that connecting point for all of humankind. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We begin in the earth and we end in the earth. And the Bible tells us that the heavens belong to God and the earth also. You founded the world and all that is in it. Psalm 89 and 11. So God is the original source for your existence and my existence. Which means that since we all came from the same source, we're all connected. Now, some of us may not like the connections that we've made in our lifetime. That's why there is such a word as enemy. Because from the moment some of us come into the earth, we have already made enemies. Not of our choice. But some of us come into the world with enemies. But here's the good thing. You may have enemies when you come into the world, but because of God's amazing love, even your enemies can become your friends. Amen? I'm a classic example of that. When my mother gave birth to me, she was just about getting out of her teens. And she tells the story of how difficult it was for her as a young mother and she recalled the times when people would meet her in the street, family members, and spat at her. She recalled getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go visit the doctor because she did not want people to see her on the road because she carried such shame with me. But the, the wonderful thing about kids <laughs> is that Parents may not be happy. And, and this is why abortion is such a big topic today, folks. Pay attention. Because there's a lot of pain that women go through when they're carrying children that are not wanted. And even if they may believe they want the child and they have a whole army of people telling them to get rid of that child, it's a lot of pressure. And until you've been there... Don't judge. Just pray and have grace. It's a big deal. Back in my mother's day, it was a bigger deal. Not only did she have to face the challenge of, of family refusal of this pregnancy, she was kicked out of the nursing program. But God vicariously put nursing into me. So the dream is still fulfilled. But here's the thing. My mother had the foresight, in spite of all the shame and all the pressure, to go forward with the pregnancy. And that's why I'm standing here today. But more interestingly, is by the time I was four years old, I had a strong sense of God. 
in my life, on my life. And a deep love for knowing God and wanting more of God from an early, early childhood. And I know within me that God can upset all of our plans and intersect in our lives so that his will be done. I can imagine that there was some little soul floating around in God's vast arsenal of souls. And he just said to that angel, you know, those two young people are doing what they're not supposed to do, but I'm going to create a being out of that and upset everybody's life. God has a weird sense of humor sometimes. We don't know how he thinks. His thoughts are, are way above our thoughts. And God knows <laughs> that as we're journeying through life, it's not our mother connection or father connection that makes the difference in our lives. It's our God connection. And I have to believe that God is connected to every human born, every human being, even before they were born. It's not just my language. It's the scripture that says that. Within time, rejection becomes acceptance. And so last week, we were talking about how some of us are functionally having a difficult time because the attachments that we formed in our lives were not healthy attachments. Before long, those who wanted to kill and crucify my mother were running her down to have me spend time with them. What that did for me, that reversal, was that I grew up as a little girl feeling healthy attachments to my grandparents especially. I had a healthy life attachment. I knew early and understood with every braid my aunts put in my hair that I was loved. That every night they put me in that basin and bathed my skin that I was loved. When they sit around the table and they feed me, it wasn't just that they were caring for me. I knew I was loved. There is something fundamentally worthy and wholesome about knowing that you're attached to someone and others. It is interesting that today we're dedicating a baby because I wanted to lift up the fact that every baby is not just connected to the mother but connected to God. The sad truth is that if the parents are not connected to God, that child will have a more difficult time understanding that they are connected to God. So as parents, we have a duty and an opportunity to not just make sure we bring children into the world, but that we connect our children to their creator God. Because here's the thing. We may have children, but we may pass on and leave them here. You know, our parenting stops at a certain time in our children's life. And some of us don't get that. We hold on to our children 
until we close our eyes and go to the grave. But we've got to let them go. That is not that we're disconnecting, but we're allowing them to make their own connections in the world. And sometimes we struggle. We struggle more if we ourselves are not connected in a healthy way with God and with our fellow men. So you may ask, how do we know that we are connected to God? In John, it tells us that if we love God, we know that we are his because we love him. And the connection with God is reciprocal. God loves us. He loves the whole world. He loves everything that he has created. But many of us do not know that God loves us so deeply because we have never felt love for God. And that is key. Because many of us have a knowledge of God. We understand who God is theoretically. But we don't feel a connection to God that we can say we are in love with God. And, and this is the kind of connection God wants with us. He wants us to connect in such a way with him that we feel like we're one with him. Now the whole of creation was created in a unified, a unified process. I'm talking about the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the creation story, it says that God says, after he had created everything, the gardens, the animals, the creatures, he said to his council of three, me, my son, and my spirit, let us make man in our likeness. In our image, let us create them. Male and female. He created them in their likeness. Now a God who would go out of his way to make sure that you look like him, act like him, be like him, is a real trusting, faithful, loving God. And it's a powerful statement. Let us make man like us. So that as man continues in life journey, he will always be a reflection of us. Isn't that powerful? Now, Brother Chris just had a new son. And I'm sure everybody looking at his little picture and saying, oh, I see Chris in him. I see Siobhan in him. I see his grandfather in him. I see his grandmother in him. Because fundamentally, children will, because of genetics, take on the likeness of their parents. Whether it's the eyes, the ear, the nose, the whatever. And here is God saying, 
all of humanity that I have created look just like me. I am your daddy. And so when you look in the mirror, what you should see is the reflection of God. But you see, God is not a human being. So what are the attributes of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we can see is the reflection that God wants from us? And Jesus came as the Son because the Father we could not see because God is a spirit. And so what God did is he sent Jesus to walk as a living example on this earth who is a true likeness, Jesus says, of the Father. He says, if you've seen, the fa if you've seen me, you see the Father. And so Jesus, in other words, is our big brother who came to show us the likeness of God, the image bearer of God. So when we look on Jesus, we should see who we aspire to become. Does that make sense? In other words, he is our big brother and we are joint ears with Christ, connected to our father, Yahweh, God. And when we get this meaningful realization of the earth as the womb and God as the one who knits everything in all creation together, it would help us to understand how meaningful our existence is to God. Where we come from has a lot to do with how we are connected and how we feel in the world. Do you agree? Some of us came from broken families, broken homes. Some of us came from various countries and different social dynamics. You know, life is just filled with different people. But here's what we know is that we may all come from different social structures, but fundamentally we're all created by God and we're all the same. When God created Adam... He looked at Adam and he said, Adam, it's not good. You don't look complete. There's something missing. I'm going to create another creature that will complement you, that would look just like you and I. And you know, he created Eve, connected by the rib. And Adam and Eve were as alike as two humans could be. Weren't they? They both had fingers. They both had toes. They both had ears to hear, eyes to see, lips to speak. Or tongue, rather. You know, they had shin bone, knee bone. Any other part that Adam had, Eve had. Internally, they were wired the same way. And God made them alike. But then there were other things that God put in Eve that were different from what he put in Adam. You know what I'm talking about. Things like estrogen and different types of hormones. More in some and less in other. And then he created organs 
internal and external organs that are different. And this is the mystery. How two people could be different, alike, but different, and God expect them to get along. It's another joke, right? And the word of God tells us that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. Naked. They didn't know they were different while they were naked. They were exposed to each other, but they didn't know that they were different. And they felt no shame. But one day, a serpent showed up. And the serpent tempted Eve. And you know the story how she ate the fruit. And after she ate the fruit, she had some knowledge she didn't have before. And suddenly the revelation came to them both that they were naked. And it was a problem. Before, it was not a problem. They were naked and unashamed. But as sin entered into their thinking and into their DNA, their difference became an issue. And you know, they took some fig leaves and the Bible said they covered themselves. I would like to think they only covered the, the part, the unacceptable part, according to Paul. <laughs> because... If I look like you totally, there's no need for me to be ashamed because I look like you, right? I mean, I remember as a young woman being a part of the nurse's dorm and we just walk around any old how because we were all females and we felt no shame. Nowadays, you know, you have to think twice about that. But we did. And, and, and Adam and Eve had no issues. But the Bible said they made of fig leaves or whatever it is to cover parts of them. Because now suddenly this thing called shame entered into their life. And so they started to hide. And this is what shame does to us. Shame causes us to hide. Sin causes us to run and hide. And when God showed up, like he always does, and he's looking for his favorite people, they're nowhere to be found. God had to call them. There was no thirst for God. There was no anticipation to be with God. Instead of coming to God, they were running away from God. And God called out and said, Adam, Adam. Where are you? And Adam says, oh, we're here, we're here, we're here. We, we heard you coming in the garden. And, and so we hid ourselves. But why are you hiding? We're hiding because we're naked. And God says, well, well, how do you know you're naked? All this time, we've been just having an open relationship. You, you and Eve just walk around 
throwing your stuff side to side, no issues. And how come all of a sudden, you know you're naked? Bam! Sin. This is what sin does. It exposes the rawness of our hearts and of our souls. And do you know that anywhere there is goodness, the devil will always show up to throw in some shame. To disrupt your life and set you off course. That is how he works, church. And I want us to know today that God has that unlinkable love for us. But we're the ones that allow the devil to come in and throw shame at us. Make us feel like we are so exposed that we should not feel connected to God. And we begin to hide from him. This is exactly what happened in the garden. And in this act of desperation and, and confusion that they felt when originally they felt connected to God was because of the evil, wicked serpent that they encountered. And today, we still struggle with understanding who we are and whose we are because of all the lies that the enemy throws at us to make us feel that we're not good enough and that we're not sufficient. But I came today to tell you that God loves you and you're good enough. And it doesn't matter where you came from and what has been thrown at you. You are good enough. I've been reading this book lately called Anatomy of the Soul by Dr. Kurt Thompson. He's a psychiatrist. He's a Christian psychiatrist. And he tells some harrowing stories of how shame and despair has Cause so many people to become not only disconnected from God, but disconnected from themselves and disconnected from the persons that are in their life. And sometimes we don't know where these things come from. One of the stories he tells is about this person by the name of Richard. Say his name is Richard. He came to see Dr. Thompson because his 17-year-old son had committed suicide. And in that moment, he felt totally disconnected and depressed because of what had happened to his son. He was a scientist, and he was not only just a scientist. He had climbed up the up upper echelon of academia. He was well sought after for his scientific um, Paris. He was a well-known, well-situated, well-educated gentleman. But in the climbing up the ladder, he had disconnected from God and from the church, which many of us are apt to do. When we start going up the ladder of success, we must be careful that we don't leave God off the picture. Because you see, it doesn't matter how well we do in the world, at some point in time, we're going to need God. We may not think so now, but at some point in time in our life, we're going to need God. And as he came to see Dr. Thompson, the first thing he said to him, you were recommended to me, but I need you to know I don't want to hear anything about God. You, I, I've given permission for you to counsel me, but please leave God out of the conversation. 
And Dr. Thompson said, he, he said, fine, just whatever you wish, I will abide by your demands. And as he's counseling him, little by little, without him mentioning God, he starts talking about God. It had to do with his church when he was a child. His father and his mother were steeped into the church. But his father never connected with him. And he told Dr. Thompson the story. He said, once I was having problems with my son. And I asked my mom if she could give me some counseling. And my mom said to me, call your father. And he said, I was infuriated with her, asking me to call my father. My father hardly ever speak a word to me. He said, as I was growing up, I just did what I was told, but my father never emotionally connected with me. They had no emotional attachment. And he felt... If I had known my father's story, I would have been a better dad. Because what he discovered through the counseling and through the story of, of trying to connect with his father was that this man at 54 did not even know his own dad. Because the stories that are hidden in our lives that we don't tell our children can have detrimental effect on our relationships with them. His father was an alcoholic. And without going to AA and all of that, he kicked the alcoholic habit. But prior to kicking the habit, he would beat up on everyone in the house and kick up everything. They had a horrific childhood. By the time his father had been rehabilitated from the alcohol, things got worse because he had had this way of being, of just blowing up the house, knocking everything over and everyone else. But he, had, he did not know his father's story. All he knew was that his father acted strange and he became withdrawn. And so in raising his own son, he was his father. He didn't abuse his son, but he neglected his son. Emotionally neglected his son. And here's the thing. We will always parent our children from our wounds, from our hurts, and from the way we were parented. And sometimes that can have catastrophic, life-impacting consequences and so we have to get to the place in our own lives where we begin to understand who we are as individuals and how we're connected to God because if we don't know how we're connected to God we're going to have difficulty connecting to each other do you hear me church and if ever a time that we need to get it right, it's now. Because young people are dying. Children are dying. 
We've got to get this thing down pat. We've got to know who we are, whose we are, and understand ourselves. Because if we don't understand ourselves, as we align ourselves with God, we're going to mess up somebody else's life. Truth? Truth? Marriage is one of the most beautiful and imperfect thing on, on the earth. Because God brings two people together. In most cases, the only thing we have in common is the lungs that we breed from and the rest of our physical selves. But we're made up of our mothers and our fathers and all the peoples that have been in our world and in our lives, and then we converge and we hope to create a union that will work. And in most cases, in 50 plus percent of the cases, today, marriage does not work. Is it because marriage is fundamentally wrong? No. It's because most of us enter marriages without anybody even asking us if we know what we're getting into. And then when we get into the marriage, we don't take the time to learn about ourselves and what we bring to the relationship much less to figure out who that other person is that you, is lying in the bed next to you. Have you ever get up and wonder and look at that person and wonder if it's a stranger? Because in so many ways they are just not you. But do they need to be you? Not at all. But here's the trouble with many of us we're looking to humankind to figure out who that person is or who we are instead of looking at the source. I guarantee you that if you look at your husband, your wife, your friend, your brother, your sister through the lens of God's eyes as his beautiful creation, it would restructure your relationship. Because when you see that person who's not you, you will value them just like you value yourself. The Bible tells us that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. The point is you got to know that your neighbor is God's child just like you are. And sometimes we forget that. We think that we're here and we're it. We're not it. Every other human being in your world comes from God. And it is from God that Adam and Eve came and every other offspring, including you and I. Paul in 1 Corinthians says that it is like a puzzling thing. It's a puzzling thing. In chapter 13 and 12, he says, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely. Just as God knows me completely. Here's a key for you. 
If there's someone in your life that you can't get along with, ask God because God knows them more completely than you. The problem is we like to think we know people. And you know, God has blessed all of us with this thing called intuition. And somebody comes up to us and they say hi. A paranoid person will go, I wonder what she want now. Because you were raised paranoid. Because your mother was paranoid. Maybe your father was paranoid. And everybody before you were paranoid. So when people come to you, you see them out of the lens of your social dynamics and structure. Instead of just seeing them as God's child. Do you see where I'm going? How different our life relationships would be when every time we encounter another human being, we just see another one of us. Right? Now, if you, if you look at the animals in the wild, if a bunch of gazelles are walking and they see another gazelle, they may stop so it can join the flock. But if they see a lion, they're likely to run away because a lion is not like them. Amen? But we all human beings, no matter where we come from, how we look, we're all created by God. We are the only species that God said, let us make man in our own image. Which means, my brother, my sister, we should all get along. Because we're all from the same womb. Amen? And so when I see you, I must see the glory of God who created you. But I too must believe that I'm the glory of God. Because if I come into the relationship and you're all open to me, because you see me as God's glory, but I'm so impacted by the trauma of my past and my hurts and the people who have abused and hurt me, I may begin to feel that nobody loves me. So you really can't love me. So when you see someone coming toward you in love, you run away. You close down. You shut down. Because you refuse to be vulnerable and to give yourself away. This is what happened in the, in the garden. Adam and Eve were alike. They were the same. And they were naked. In this reference, it meant vulnerable. When we're naked, we're vulnerable. Some of us have wound some walls around our lives that we don't know how to be vulnerable. We don't know how to tell our story. And God knows we don't know how to articulate our stories. Our stories need to be told. Because the more you tell your story, the less vulnerable you will become. There's no need for the walls that we build around us. Because until we can tell our stories, we cannot be known. And until we're known, we cannot have true relationships. God is the only one who knows us completely. But God wants us to know each other completely. Because until we know each other completely, our relationships are not authentic. We could never bond unless we tell our stories. 
people always say there's something unique about girls and friendships. Because women have that capacity to just tell it, tell all, let go, and tell your story. And that is why women bonding is so unique. Because we're able to tell each other our stories. But this is not limited just to, just to women. We need to be able to tell our stories because if we tell our stories, we can free ourselves from the tempter trying to expose us. Amen? Because he wants to expose you and tell you you're not qualified to be who you are. But because the story is out there, you have nothing to hide. And because you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Do you get where I'm saying? Because the devil loves secrecy. How many of you have three friends who know you completely? Let me see your hand. Three friends who know you inside out. They know when you watch pornography. They know when you cheat. They know when you lie. They know that you struggle with certain temptations. How many of you have three friends like that? That you can tell them the gospel truth about who you are and what you do. Good for you if you have such a friend. How many of you have three friends that are just like you? That just connect with you. You have the same taste. You have the same likes and the same dislikes. Nobody. I think we're in serious trouble. I think... Our human relationships need to be augmented by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can have transparency in our lives with friends so we can talk to each other so we don't carry around all this load of shame because we have people that we can share our life journey with, who can pray with us, who can say to, to us, you know, you're not the only one who is struggling with this. I've struggled. A lot of people are not in the church today. You know why? Because they carry so much shame. They carry so much things that they're struggling with. But they don't dare tell the pastor. They don't dare tell anyone what they're going through. Because they're afraid that people are going to look down on them. But this is not how God wants us to function. He wants us to be the church. He wants us to be siblings. He wants us to be able to share our pain, our heartache, our temptations, our weaknesses with each other. And if you're in a marriage relationship, you need that too. You need to be able to say to your husband, you know, I'm really struggling with that girl, uh, guy at work. Every time he passed by, I just strip him naked with my eye. Would you tell your husband that? Would you tell your wife you know that I have eyesight problems whenever that girl comes into the office. Would you do that? You see, this is the problem with us. Because we don't know ourselves and we're not true with ourselves. And we're not releasing the truth about the stuff that we're struggling with. The devil keeps us right there. 
And he traps us right there. Because as long as we don't confess our sins one to another, we will not be healed. We will continue to walk in bondage. And we will continue to struggle. And that is why we've got to confess sin. When Adam and Eve realized that they were naked, they confessed to God. We were naked. And God said, who told you that? And God was able to point it right back to the devil. And let me tell you, none of us are perfect. We're going to all struggle with lust we're going to all struggle with temptations we're going to have struggles in our lives but when we're free enough to speak into those struggles you ask my husband I'm not just preaching I remember sometimes he'd remind me put your ring on put your ring on every time I'm leaving the house <laughs> it's, it's truth not everybody has struggles but some do and but we need to have relationships where we can be totally transparent so that we know that they got our back and we have their back because you may be struggling but your spouse is struggling too but when you're in a relationship you can say hey hey honey I remember you know I'm, I'm gonna try and get off the stage but I remember one evening I went into work I was working at a hospital and I called the surgeon because I needed him to come and see a patient he came in. The guy just dazzled me. He was just dressed right, smell right, act right. And I got to tell you, I sat there and I was like, have you ever seen those movies with the animals, they're skunking by and then there's a, an odor and the other animal, they show you the hearts going off. And I, I'm not saying I was in love with this guy, but I was stirred by the guy. I don't even know if he noticed me. But I had the audacity to go home and tell my husband the story. I think he was a bit amused. But here's the thing that I want to say. When you know yourself and you know your spouse and you've got that relationship where you're truthful with each other, you're hardly likely to fail in your marriage because you have not given the devil any foothold you're not running and hiding and feeling ashamed of normal temptations and feelings that you have do you understand what i'm saying maybe i'm preaching to myself but we got to stop pretending in this relationships that we have so that we can have real, true, authentic connections and not play games with each other and with God. I believe that today we need to be more connected with each other because as we connect, we're empathetic. We begin to understand each other's struggle and we become a team that works together to repair all the broken places in our lives. Amen, church? I'm your brother, I'm your sister, because we're all connected by the source who made us and wired us the way he did. And that is why we need to be in supportive relationships with one another. But it has to start with God. And so I'm going to ask you to stand today in recognition of who God is. 
Ask God to teach you his ways. That we can rely on his faithfulness. David says, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Our relationships need to be real, not because we are afraid of each other, but because we fear God. That we can really truly love and emancipate each other because we fear God. That we understand that the same judgment we judge others, we will also be judged because we fear God. That we can enter into a loving relationship first with God and it will have a trickle-down effect to your brother and your sister next to you, beside you. Perhaps you need to confess a sin. Maybe the sin is that you need to release somebody in your life who have wronged you. And maybe you just did not understand how they got to that place where they could wrong you. But you need to release them. You need to tell them it's okay. You need to tell them we can mend this. We can fix this. We can, we can restore our relationships. There's enough war going on in the world. There's enough angry people in the world. What we need now is love. Real love. True love. Love that is genuine and, 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 and truthful. Because here's the thing. A husband or a spouse may not catch you, but God will. Fear him alone. Fear God alone. We'll be judged for our actions. Why? Because God loves us. And God wants us as his own and God doesn't like competition so love God first let's present ourselves to him today father we come before you God the one that we have everything to do we thank you because when we weren't <laughs> eligible <laughs> To be loved when others discarded and discounted us you still loved us with your everlasting love and your faithfulness thank you for the connection that we have with you God and we pray that every other connection that we have with any human being will stem from that connection that we have with you father son and Holy Spirit. So flow through us today. Change us. Renew us. And help us to understand more and more whose we are and why we're here. In the mighty name of Jesus. 